Thank you all very much. The tagline under our new logo is loving Jesus, loving people. Say that with me. Loving Jesus, loving people. If I ever ask you this trivia question, what is the tagline? What are you going to say? Loving Jesus, loving people. You know what? When we love Jesus the way He wants us to love Him, the way we should love Him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our, our strength, then we should love people. We should love people the way that He loves people. I love our folks here at MRBC, and I love the, the wonderful blend of folks that God has, has brought together here in our church family, our unique blend. God has smiled on us by giving us a wonderful mix of, of people, and we're going to be celebrating that unique uh, mix next Sunday in our uh, International Celebration Day. It's our first one we've uh, had, and, uh, and you need to sign up. The day is the last day to sign up in the courtyard on paper. You can go online and sign up uh, by Wednesday, but we need a good showing. One, one of the greatest ways to show love for people is to pray for people. Amen. We're commanded to pray for one another. That's one of the one another's in the New Testament, to pray for one another, to pray for our leaders. We're praying for our, our state and, and local and, and national and world leaders, especially during crisis, uh, to pray for specific requests uh, as we share requests with one another, to pray for those in need, to pray uh, for people around the world, to pray for our missionaries, and also to pray for the lost. This particular type of prayer is, is intercessory prayer. Prayer of all sorts is important work. Oswald Chambers said, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Edwin Harvey said, a day without prayer is a day without blessing, and a life without prayer is a life without power. I've said many times, much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. Which characterizes your life today? Much prayer or little prayer? Much power or little power? Dwight L. Moody said, Those who have left the greatest impression on this sin-cursed earth have been men and women of prayer. You will find that prayer has been the mighty power that has moved not only God, he says, but also man. Often when we think of intercessory prayer, pleading with God for the needs of others, we, we think of praying for the sick are praying for those specific requests that people register. And that's important. Those who have financial need, those who, who need a job, those who are facing surgery, those who are battling illness, those who have family issues, all sorts of intercessory needs. Those requests are important. But let's make sure that on our prayer list are intercessory prayers for the lost. Have you ever thought that your prayer, your prayer for a lost person may be the difference between them spending eternity in heaven and in hell? That your prayer, God may be using to soften this person's heart as the Holy Spirit works, your prayer may be the difference. Praying for the lost has been called love on its knees because we love someone so much that we fervently pray for his or her salvation that we love someone so much that we want to see this person in heaven with us. 
The Bible says, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So let's think this morning about, about praying for the lost. As you take your little bookmark and you pray through the five that you're inviting, the five plus, I hope, to, uh, to Palm Sunday and to Easter Sunday and, and to other times as you have the opportunity to, to, to bring them to hear the gospel, all, but also as you have the opportunity to share Jesus or to mention Jesus to them. Our starting point is 1 Timothy chapter 2. We're also going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 in just a moment, so turn there with me as we think about love on its knees. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, a top priority, Paul says, I encourage that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks, he lists several different kinds of prayers there, be made for all men, for kings, and for all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, listen to this, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Again, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God desires that all people should be saved. Well, let's think about that this morning. First of all, be burdened for the desperate condition of the lost. Our hearts should be burdened for the desperate condition of the lost. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 for just a moment. Ephesians chapter 2, if you'll turn there with me. Paul, in this great passage, describes the plight of the lost person. Verses 1 through 3, he reads, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Note the spiritual condition of the lost. What's going on in the life of the lost person? Well, first of all, lost people are spiritually dead. In their lost condition, they are dead in trespasses and sins, we see in verse 1 of chapter 2. They're not sick. They're not injured. They're not distracted. They're not incapacitated. They are completely spiritually dead. This is hard to accept because we see lost people. They're, they're living. They're breathing. They're walking. They're working. We see lost people and, and, and we let our guard down because they're good people. They're good neighbors. They're good workers. They're doing good things. They may be serving their community and, and, and being a community servant. But spiritually speaking, if they don't know Jesus Christ, they are the spiritually dead. Paul gets so carried away describing our spiritual condition before Christ that he just writes and writes and writes. Verses 1-7 through seven is one long run-on sentence in the grammar. Ray Stedman wrote, he is so intent, talking about Paul, upon getting before people the description of humanity and his problem that he just runs right on ignoring grammar and everything else. The grammar is important in understanding the serious condition of the lost person. <clears throat> Paul wrote, we are dead in. This little word means in the sphere of or in the realm of sin. We're, we're not dead because we committed sin. We're not dead spiritually because we slipped up and made a mistake. We were born 
into this sinful condition. We're sinners by nature, and we're sinners by choice. We were born into this condition with the, with the nature and the tendency to commit sin. So we sin because we are sinners. We sin because we are sinners by choice. Lost people are dead spiritually. We can never forget that. Second, lost people walk according to the course of this world. Lost people walk according to the course of this world. That means they live according to the course of this world. That's what the word walk means in, in Pauline theology. He's talking about our, our daily life. The word world refers to the values and philosophies of a world without God. Of a world that is contrary to God's values. The lost people have a totally godless mindset, a totally secular mindset with no thought or no regard to the things of God. So Paul refers to a worldly system of practices and thinking that, that leaves God completely out. We live in a world that, uh, man, it's, it's an evil world, it's a fallen world, it's, it's a worldly thinking world. Even believers who let their guard down and, are, dece and, uh, and uh, are deceived and don't realize how closely they are following the world. It's easy for us to slip into worldliness, isn't it? If we don't seek first the kingdom of God. Sunday is, for example, not just another day. It's the Lord's day. But we have lost the significance of Sunday in our culture and in our society. He expects us to be in worship. Listen to Leviticus chapter 23, verse 3. Write that reference down so you can look at it later. This is an important verse. There are six days when you may work. But the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest. The whole idea of the Sabbath is that this day is set aside and set apart to do something different. That's different than the other six days. To slow your life down so that you can recharge your batteries. So that you can refresh your spirit and refresh your soul. The Sabbath day is a day of Sabbath rest. And listen, then listen to what he says. This is the New International Version. A day of sacred assembly. Rest and assemble. Recharge and gather. He says, you are not to do any work wherever you live. It's the Sabbath unto the Lord. So that's just one example of how worldliness has, has crept into our culture, into our thinking, even into the lives of believers. We know there are legitimate reasons that people have to miss uh, on, on Sundays, uh, but some find too many other things to do, worldly things, rather than being in God's house. This is, this is not just, now listen to this, this is not just spiritual slackness or a lack of, of, of proper priorities. This is spiritual warfare. You think Satan wants to see strong attendance in churches? You think Satan wants to see churches moving forward and advancing the kingdom and having a major impact upon their, their community and, and upon their world? No, he loves declining attendance. He loves apathetic believers. Paul adds, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. This is a direct reference to Satan himself. Satan loves 
to get us to disobey God, whether it's tempting us, whether it's putting temptation in our path, whether it's causing us to to stumble. Um, God's truth is always trying to win our focus. And Satan is always working against God's truth and against God himself. He strives to get believers, especially, to be disobedient to God. He wants us to tarnish our witness. He wants us to look just like the world. So that lost person will look at us and say, I don't see any difference in your life. Why should I come to Christ if I, if I live like your example? Third, lost people live in the passions of the flesh, the desires of our flesh. We, we, we had, before Christ, prior to Christ, we had no spiritual orientation, so we, we just followed the lust of the flesh. Just, just whatever we felt we wanted to do, we, we did it. God made us flesh. He also created basic human desires that come from living in the flesh. He created us with the capacity to, to hunger, to, to, to thirst, to, to sleep. Uh, he, he, he created us with the need for rest, for the, the need for leisure activities. All, all of these are good until they become pursuits that take the place of God. Even a good thing can become an idol in our lives if we're not careful. So Satan takes what God intended for good, what God created, and he said all of his creation was good. He called it good. And Satan twists it and perverts it until we see verse 3, fulfilling or indulging our desires of the flesh and of the mind. And this present tense in this verse indicates that this has become our our way of life. This is the way we're, we're walking. Fourth, Lost people by nature are children of wrath. They're children of wrath. In their original spiritual condition, we naturally rebel against God and godliness. It's just our nature. We are rebelling as we head as far as we can and as fast as we can away from God. We're by nature children of wrath. Fifth, Lost people are blind. They are spiritually blind. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Write that passage down so you can go back and look at it. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 reads, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Satan causes a, a universal incapacity to understand our need for and the way to salvation. People just people who are lost just don't get it. They're, they're spiritually blind. Until the scales fall off their eyes, until their eyes open, they just don't see spiritual truth. Sixth, lost people are captive to Satan. We must pray that the lost will escape from the snare or the trap of the devil, having been taken captive by him. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. Taken captive. You've ever thought about that as it pertains to the life of the lost person? We need to pray for, for their release. Seventh, lost people are condemned. You're familiar with John chapter 3, verse 16. What about verse 18? 
He who believes in Him is not condemned. But he who has not believed is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Lost people are condemned. <clears throat> Eighth, lost people are without understanding. Lost people are without understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 reads, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The lost person without the Spirit of God has no sense of discernment, has no sense of, of understanding. This stuff is, you've heard the expression, this is Greek to me. They, they, just, don't, they just don't get it. They are without understanding. Ninth, Lost people are hopeless. That's what Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. In other words, they have hope in Christ, but if they reject Christ or if they never hear about Christ, they, they, they have no hope because they do not have Christ. Because Christ is their only hope. So they need Jesus. Take a moment to read over those nine characteristics again. What is the plight of the lost? What danger are they in? What's going on in their lives without Christ? We should be burdened for these folks. We should be heartbroken for these folks. Second, remember the spiritual battle that we're fighting. We mentioned a minute ago about spiritual warfare. Let's don't take that lightly. You remember, Paul says we, we're fighting a spiritual battle. In fact, verses uh, 12 and 13 of Ephesians chapter 6 read, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, but against powers, principalities, powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, because since we're fighting against principalities and, and powers and, and, and so forth, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand firm in the Lord. Put on your spiritual armor because you're in a fight, you're in a battle. Don't leave your house unprepared. Be prayed up first thing in the morning. Put your armor on and step out knowing that you're on mission. And because you're on mission, Satan's going to do everything he can to trip you up. And you have to be prepared to fight. Lee Thomas wrote, The primary purpose in praying for the lost is not to convince God to save them, for he is not willing that any should perish having sent Christ to die for the sins of the whole world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. Rather, praying for the lost has to do with spiritual warfare, freeing them of demonic influence so they can be saved. We're not trying to convince God. We're fighting the devil. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the unseen adversary, the devil. Because of Satan's influence, lost people are prisoners, which Satan refuses to release. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 7. Write that down. Verse 17, rather. Isaiah 14, 17. 
They are slaves under Satan's authority. Acts chapter 26, verse 18. They are children of the devil. John chapter 8, verse 44. They are blinded by the gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. They are energized by Satan. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Let me go back and look at that for just a second. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works. That word works is energo, which gives us our English word energy. He's describing the lost person under the, the influence of the devil, under the sway of the devil. They are energized by Satan. And they are helplessly held in Satan's grasp. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. We know we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Don't take that lightly. The whole world, every lost person, lies under the sway, under the influence, under the impact of the wicked one. Satan has powerful influence. And he uses it it expertly. He actively works in the lives of, of lost people to make them not interested in God and not interested in the things of God. Go with me for just a moment to Mark chapter 3. If you'll turn there for just a second. Mark chapter 3, verse 27. So Jesus is speaking... He's talking parables here, teaching. He's talking about a kingdom divided against itself. That kingdom cannot stand. In verse 26, he's talking about Satan. And if if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. Okay, listen to this. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Some scholars feel like Jesus is speaking of Satan there as the strong man. It's a reference to Satan and to his influence. No lost person will ever be saved unless someone frees him from the demonic influences that control his life, that control her life. How do we free people of Satan's influences, of Satan's sway? Through prayer. Through praying for the lost. Through Praying for spiritual breakthrough. Prayer is our weapon. We fight by praying. Prayer is part of our spiritual armor listed in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 and following. Sometimes it takes many of us uniting in prayer and praying together for the same person and the same request. Listen, the strong man can't overcome a gang of folks ganging up on him, can he? We should be sharing our prayer list and praying for folks together. When we aren't praying, Satan is winning by default. But when we are praying, he's losing ground because he has absolutely no defense against prayer. It's been said many times that Satan trembles when he sees even the weakest saint on his knees because he knows the power of prayer. So don't let Satan win. Don't let Satan gain any ground or gather any additional influence. Or do not allow him to win by default because of our prayerlessness. Because we fail to take up the weapon of prayer. Someone's soul is at stake. 
Will you stand in the gap for a lost person? Those you know by name? Those who are on your list? But those who are in other countries? Those who have not yet to hear the gospel? Those who are being influenced by our missionaries and, and, and their hearts need to be changed, they need to come to Christ. Will you stand in the gap for a lost world? Third, realize that you can make a difference in someone's eternity. You can make a difference in someone's eternity. How, how specifically can we pray for the lost? Well, be sure you're praying for yourself. And before you come before the Father, make sure your heart is clean, your hands are clean, your head is clean, your thinking is clean, your, your, your mind is pure, your, your motivations are pure, that your heart is right, that there's no unconfessed sin in our lives. Pray for yourself, pray for the lost person. How? First, pray that workers will be compelled into the harvest will be thrust into the harvest. Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send workers out into the harvest. You are some of those workers that are being prayed for to go into the harvest of this community. Pray that God will move in the hearts of believers and give us compassion and a burden for those who are lost, those without Christ. We need more workers willing to share Jesus. We need more... Folks who are willing to say yes to the call to be a missionary, whether it's going across the ocean or walking across the street. Pray for workers. Second, pray for boldness. Even Paul prayed for boldness. As we see in this prayer, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, Paul says, pray that I may proclaim it boldly. Pray that I may proclaim the, 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 the gospel without fear. Think about that. Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, Paul who met Jesus nearly face to face. He was blind, but man had that confrontation, that encounter on the road to Damascus. Paul, who was uh, called to missionary service and, and, and boldly stood before authorities, boldly preached the gospel. Paul says, please pray that I won't be afraid. It's okay to be afraid. That's human nature. But you know what? We have the power of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit living in our lives. The presence of Jesus says, and I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So we rely on Him when it comes to that moment to say that gospel word, to have that gospel conversation that not only plants a seed, but also says, man, we, I'm praying for you because I want you to come to Jesus. I want you to come to heaven with me when that time comes. Pray for boldness. Third, pray for daily opportunities to share Jesus. I'm as guilty of this as possibly you are. I'd launch into my day. I've got a certain place I've got to be. I've got things to do and people to see and, and uh, things that have to be done between Sunday. It doesn't matter what else pops up during the week. Sunday's coming. There's, a, there's an automatic deadline. And, and, uh, and sometimes I'm not as sensitive to those around me as I should be. But we should always be looking for that opportunity to share Jesus, shouldn't we? for that opportunity to invite, for that opportunity to, to, to take this, this Easter card right here in the next few weeks and say, I want to invite you to our Easter services. And by the way, these cards are corrected with the right date on them now. Somebody proofed this card and somehow missed the dates. How, how can a Baptist preacher not know what day Easter is? I'm not sure. So 
That was my goof, but we're getting it corrected. Use these things as you go about your daily life. Pray that uh, God will use you as you, uh, as you go about your daily life. Be alert to daily opportunities that, that, uh, that God, people, God, God puts people in your path. The question is, do we see them? Do we see them and do we take the time to love on them and to share with them and to build that witnessing relationship? Fourth, pray for clarity. Pray for God's Holy Spirit to take whatever you share and to make it make sense to the lost person. Listen, you may be nervous about what to say. Just, just share Jesus and the Holy Spirit will use it. Don't worry, you know, when we were doing the faith uh, presentation, and and those those were fruitful years for our church, folks, when we we did those 24 semesters of faith. You know, F-A-I-T-H. Sometimes people would would forget how to spell faith, and they'd get the presentation mixed up, and God still use it, and somebody would come to Christ. Because it's the gospel. Just share the gospel. Pray for clarity. God will use what you share. Let Let me give you four initials. Now, there's, some, there's a scripture for each initial that I can come back and share with you. But uh, think, of, think of, you know, we, we've, we've oftentimes thought about ABC, admit, believe, confess. Okay, I want to give you T-B-A-R, T-Bar. Can you remember that? T-B-A-R. We know for that we're all natures by centering, by, by, we're sinners by nature and by choice. So T is for turn. We've got to... Explain to folks that, hey, our, our life's heading one way without Christ because of our sin. We need to turn our lives around and turn to Jesus. B is for believe. We need to believe. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that Jesus died on the cross, that He was for our sins, for us, that He was buried, that He arose from the grave, and that He's alive. He conquered death, and He wants to be your Savior. We have to believe that. But then A is for ask. You've got to take belief one step further. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You need to know Romans 10, 13. You've heard it a million times. So we need to believe, but you, dear person, need to ask Jesus to come into your heart. And if you will, God's Word, Romans 10, 13, promises He will save you when you by faith do the asking. But you have to ask. And when you ask, then you, then you receive. T-B-A-R. R is for Receive. As many as received Him, to them He gave the power, the authority to become children of God. You can become part of the family of God today by receiving what Jesus wants to give you right now. By receiving Jesus. T for turn, B for believe, A for ask, R for receive. Use that. Share that this week. Fifth, Pray for their hearts to change. Pray for hearts to change. God can change a heart. God can get a hold of a person. The North American Mission Board has a little booklet entitled, Praying Your Friends to Christ. Okay, think about this uh, this, uh, acrostic very quickly. H, pray for a receptive heart. Pray for a receptive heart. You remember Jesus' parable of, of the soils, the different kinds of, uh, of soil. There are different places in people's lives where their hearts are. Sometimes they're harder than other times. 
Oftentimes at Christmas and Easter, their hearts are softer just because of, of, of what's going on with Christmas and Easter. People are more open. Sometimes when there's a family tragedy, the loss of a loved one or, or something, uh, a, a disaster of some type, people are open. That's why disaster relief ministry is so, so fruitful and so needed. We have folks who are trained. So we got some folks in our church. Uh, Nancy uh, Lyles, for one, who are trained when, when tornadoes hit or floods hit or, or, or now a refugee crisis, the disaster relief folks go and they do whatever. They're the hands and feet of Jesus to give a cup of cold water in Christ's name, but they also share the gospel. People's hearts are softer. E, pray for eyes to be open. Paul Standing before King Agrippa shared his testimony. Go with me to Acts chapter 26 very quickly. Acts chapter 26 for just a moment. He was sharing his testimony about what happened to him on the road to Damascus. And he's quoting Jesus. And he says in verses 17 and 18 of Acts chapter 26. And this is Jesus speaking. And Paul is telling Agrippa what Jesus said. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Paul says... Uh Uh-oh, I'm being called to be a missionary. He's sending me. We're all sent, by the way. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Pray the lost will see his or her true condition and will have no reason to turn to God and he will have no excuse for not turning to God and be saved. Pray they'll see their true spiritual condition. Or, pray for the person to be released, to believe. Ask God to break the chains of Satan, the chains of bondage to sin, and set them free. And then T... Pray for a transformed life. If anyone is in Christ, he's what? He's a new creature, a new creation because of Christ. God wants to change lives. God wants us to love people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus because Jesus changes lives. But He commands us to pray that transformation happens in specific lost persons' lives as we pray for people by name. So I encourage you, use your bookmark, pray for folks by name, pray for others, gang up on Satan as you pray together for people by name, pray expectantly, pray expectantly for Easter Sunday. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm praying God will do great things. Pray expectantly, watching for God to work in the lives of those you pray for. As you go about your day tomorrow, as you start your week, pray expectantly. God, help me to see the people you bring across my path and help me to see things happen in their life when you use me to share. And then put feet to your prayers as you invite and share and plant a seed and be a good example and be a good witness. As you share the gospel, the most important thing of all, that's the, that's the greatest way you can show folks you love them. As we pray for them, as we share the gospel. And listen, don't give up on God. Because God is working. He just needs a little cooperation. He needs a little cooperation from us as those who are the workers called into the harvest. 
Needs a little cooperation from hard hearts, from, from the lost, as they realize their spiritual condition. I've shared before about George Mueller, the great prayer warrior who established five orphanages in Bristol, England, that provided care for 10,000 orphans over a 60-year period. He kept a record of thousands of answered prayers. He lived by faith and daily, he daily depended on God to provide for these many mouths that needed clothing and needed food. There, there are numerous stories, hundreds of stories that he told about they needed milk one morning, for example, and, and, and a milk cart broke down right in front of the orphanage. And the guy knocked on the door and said, I can't make my deliveries. Can y'all use this milk? That kind of stuff was happening all the time by this man of faith and this man of prayer. Toward the end of his life, Mueller shared that he had prayed for two men to be saved for over 55 years. For 55 years, he prayed for these men religiously, faithfully, with much dedication, and they still had not been saved. And someone asked, don't you feel like giving up? Oh no, he replied, why would God give me such a burden for these men if He did not intend to save them? Where is our burden? Before his death, one of these men came to Christ. And the other one was saved shortly after Mueller's death. Listen, didn't someone pray for you to be saved? Are you praying for folks to be saved? I pray if you're listening to me this morning or if you're here in person and you're not saved, that you will take this opportunity, this moment that God has given you right now to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Will you make that decision for Him today? See me at the back door. Reach out to me on this email website, on the, on the website, on the screen. Reach out to me by email. Let's take care of that matter this morning. You need Jesus. And God wants you to be saved. Father, help us to be prayer warriors for the lost. Help us, Lord, to take it more seriously and to be more intentional and more proactive. Help us, Lord, to see people, not just as inconveniences and interruptions and slow pokes to try to get around in our cars, but people that we need to know, Je that, who need to know Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be a part of your, your plan of salvation as we are your prayer warriors, your hands, your feet, your mouthpieces here on this earth. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to share. And Lord, we continue to pray for a great, great Easter. Lord, as you just pour your Spirit out upon us this morning and in the weeks to come. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.